Welcome to Her Story, the history of Southeast Asia told from her perspective. We'll discover historical figures, meteorical societies, and contemporary female icons, and maybe learn about ourselves along the way. I'm Agus Nomides. In this episode, we'll meet Lady Chan and Lady Mook, the heroines of Phuket who defended the island in the Burmese-Siamese War of 1785-1786. December 6, 1785. I was going to come down to see you, but the Chao Kun, the governor, is still very ill, so I am sending the chief official of Muang Phuket to meet you. Please be kind enough to delay your departure. If the Chao Kun gets a little better, I will come down to meet you. Lady Chan to Francis Light, founder and first superintendent of Penang. Lady Chan, also known as Ya Chan or Nang Jun, was one of the most influential residents of Phuket, a southern province of Thailand. The largest island in Thailand, Phuket covers an area of about 570 square kilometers, roughly the size of Singapore. Before Phuket became known as a resort island in the 70s, it was a tin port. From the 16th century, western maps marked it as Jok Ceylon, most likely a corruption of the Malay name Ujong Salang, meaning the point or cape of Salang. Lady Chan, born around 1730, was the eldest daughter of Chomrang, head of the family of Bantakyan, one of three settlements which had provided many of the rulers and other officials of the island. Her mother was Masya, a Malay noble from Kedah who married Chomrang as her second husband. She had been married previously to a Kedamale named Mahum, but moved to Thalang when she lost her inheritance following a family quarrel after his death. Lady Chan had a younger sister, Lady Muk, also known as Yamuk or Nangmuk, and three other siblings we don't know much about. In Lady Chan's youth, she entered an arranged marriage with Mom Sifakdi, an official of Takwatum on the mainland north of Thalang. Together, they had a daughter, Mei Prang, and a son, Fian, who later became a governor of Thalang. Her husband, Momsi Fakdi, tragically passed away after the birth of their son. Her second husband, Fraya Fimon, was made governor of Thalang by the Chao of Nakonsi Thamarat, the immediate overlord. The date of this appointment was probably between 1772 and 1777. Some of the traders at the time believed that Fraya Fimon derived his influence from his wife's family. It's him that she's talking about in the 1785 letter to Francis Light. And Fraya Fimon did not get better from his sickness. He passed away shortly after, and his replacement had not been appointed. To make matters worse, he owed what seems to be a sizable debt to the king. So King Rama I ordered that Lady Chan be imprisoned at Pakfra camp to atone for the debt. Meanwhile to the north, their old enemy Burma was preparing for another invasion. Under the rule of King Pudong of Angwa, they organized 144,000 soldiers targeting Siam in their quest for expansion. They managed to invade Raman, Thayyai, Manipura, and Yakai, and overran the very camp where Lady Chan was imprisoned. In the confusion, she managed to escape the prison camp and make her way back to Thalang. 
The Burmese commander-in-chief, Yi Wun, was also making his way to Thalang. The Burmese defeated other areas like Kraburi, Takwapa, and Takwatung along the way. Thalang would be their ultimate prize. Back in Thalang, the town had fallen upon hard times. But the twice-widowed Lady Chan rose to the occasion. It seems that it fell to her and her sister, Lady Mook, to rally the troops to repel the Burmese threat. The pair gathered villagers from Ban Saku, Ban Nayang, Ban Maikau, Ban Kanan, Ban Lipon, and Ban Riang. They made their stand at Wat Pranangsang to protect Thalang to the death. A tangential note here, Wat Pranangsang also has an interesting story. Its name translates to Temple Built by a Lady. The legend has to do with Franang Lodkao, a lady with white blood. She was the wife of a city's ruler and a devoted Buddhist. She was accused of having an affair with another man, and before her sentencing, she asked to travel to Lanka to pray towards the Buddha's relics. On her way back to her city, she stopped at Thalang and built this temple. Upon her return, she was sentenced to death, but they realized she was innocent when they saw her blood was white. They named the temple in Thalang after her, and it still stands there to this day, housing the world's three oldest and largest Buddha statues made of tin, named the Three Kings. Back to 1785. As the Burmese approached the west coast of southern Thailand, Lady Chan, Lady Mook, and the Department of Town Planning drew up their counterattack plans. Their intention was to slow the invading soldiers down, causing their food supplies to dwindle. Then, legend has it that Lady Chan and Lady Mook got very creative. It was a story she often told to her European visitors. In order to intimidate the enemy, they asked 500 women to dress up as men and to parade in different clothes to deceive the Burmese about the superiority of their numbers. They carried smoked coconut leaves which looked like weapons from afar. They also harassed the Burmese soldiers who were scouting around gathering food. They were able to give the impression that the Thalang garrison was filling up with fresh reinforcements, which demoralized the tired Burmese soldiers. The sisters also joined the Department of Politics of cities such as Praia Pet Kirisri and Praia Tongpuna Thalang. They grouped armies and divided into two camps to protect the city. And along with the people of Thalang, they fought against the enemy for about a month. But ultimately, the Burmese were defeated and forced to return to Burma on March 13, 1785. This later became known as Thalang's Victory Day. By October 1786, the Bangkok armies had achieved unexpectedly rapid and complete success against the Burmese. After the war, Lady Chan was involved in clearing up the affairs of her deceased husband, Governor Freya Fimon, as well as her own business pursuits. Hearing of the sisters' bravery and success against the Burmese, King Rama I rewarded them with the honorific titles of Thautep Kasatri and Thausi Sunthorn, respectively. It is possible that Lady Chan and Lady Mook may have gone to Bangkok to receive the award from the king. It's also possible that Lady Chan traveled with her daughter, Mei Thong, to enter her into the royal service. Around 35 years later, during the reign of King Rama III, this particular episode in Siamese history was chronicled in the royal record and the sisters earned a place in Siamese historical writing alongside other women warriors. A quick break for a word from our sponsors. 
We at Synchronicity Events PH know how much each event means to our clients. Whether you're turning 18 or 60, or planning on walking down the aisle, we'll help you make everything flow smoothly so you can be worry-free on your special day. Drop us a line on Facebook at Sync Events PH. That's S-Y-N-C Events PH. November 2015. Mornings are always something of a dream in Phuket. We would wake up to the soft light playing in the pond outside our window. Our days went largely unplanned. We were content to let our feet cool against the tiles of the old Sino-Portuguese houses or else drink cold milk tea on Kamala Beach. One morning, on our way to the old town, we decided to pay homage to the island's most popular historical icons, the heroines of Phuket. I followed my friend Ronnie, as usual, as we took a bus from Kamala to Thalam and alighted near the roundabout where the heroines stand defiant, staring in the direction of Myanmar as if ready to spring to battle centuries hence. This is perhaps the most photographed monument in Phuket. The bronze statues of the two heroines was cast by the National Fine Arts Department in Bangkok and reassembled at this traffic roundabout in Thalang District in 1966. The sisters stand side by side, hair pulled back, swords in their right hands. One sister is holding the other's forearm with her left hand. Their expressions are calm but alert. Marigold wreaths hang from their swords, a splash of color against the dark metal. Near the monument, there are shops that sell wreaths of marigolds. These flowers, known as Dokta Ruang in Thai, are believed to represent God's perfect light. The flowers adorn the large monument of the sisters, the miniature below it, and the grates on either side. There are three lanes of traffic passing through this roundabout, and it's nearly impossible to cross to the center. Nearly. Bearing our marigold wreaths, we brave the early morning traffic to pay our respects to the heroines. Over the last 30 years, the Thai government has intensified efforts to seek national and popular recognition for the heroines. In 1985, the governor of Phuket, Wan Surakul, went to England and brought back the letters written by Lady Chan to Francis Light. I mentioned him at the start of this episode. He's the founder and the first superintendent of Penang. Lady Chan's letters to Francis Light showcase her business dealings at the time. At the recently renovated Wat Muang Kumarafat at nearby Bandon, a seated version of the heroine statues graces the altar. Occasionally, someone will ask the heroines to fulfill their vows. Siamese Buddhists make merit for the heroines. Chinese Buddhists make offerings too, but are careful not to order pork. Others will sponsor a ronggeng performance by Orang Laut or Sea Gypsy women before the heroine's monument at the Thalang Roundabout. Ronggeng is actually a Malay social dance. It used to be a folk genre of the Malayan Baba communities performed by lower-class women. Today, it is a national art form promoted by the Malaysian state, attracting audiences of different ethnic groups and classes. It remains popular in southern Thailand as well. As you can tell from this, the heroines are at a unique crossroads of ethnicity, religion, and culture. They are venerated in a Buddhist-style temple which also incorporates Chinese practices, so you might think they were Buddhist when they were alive. But the fact that no pork is served to them might provide another clue to their identity. 
According to K. Prasichinarkan, a Fukat historian, we are not sure of the two heroines' religion. They could have been Muslim, Buddhist, or Christian. Like many things in Thailand, the sisters' possible Muslim identity is better left unexplained. It makes things simple. Thailand is a Buddhist country, and so its heroines must be too. The local Muslim minority in Phuket is politically and economically the weakest of the three groups. Some of them believe that the sisters' Muslim names, Fatima and Halima, have been kept in secret. In Salman Asution's article, which is one of the main sources for this episode, she recounts how a few members of the Phuket Islamic Religious Board took her to a small gravesite in a Rambutan orchard hidden away from the main road. They claimed this was the site of the old surah or temple. A little joystick urn had been placed between the two main graves. They claimed that Lady Chan had stated in her will that they should be buried in front of this temple. It's clear that the heroines mean something to all the people of Phuket regardless of ethnicity, religion, or culture. Debates about who they really were is part and parcel of a unique society that has always been so diverse. And at the heart of the story is two sisters, who had few resources but plenty of courage, who rose to the occasion and commanded an army, who were able to defend Fouquet from a Burmese invasion, who upheld sovereignty when many areas had fallen and they thought hope was lost. In 1992, the Thao Thapkasatri and Thao Sri Sunthorn Foundation was established with funds from Princess Mahachakri Srinthorn. It oversees an annual ritual ceremony in homage of the two heroines on March 12th and the laying of marigold wreaths at the monument on March 13th, Thalang's Victory Day. Each year, the Heroines Memorial Fair also takes place, organized by the Phuket Provincial Administration Organization and Phuket Cultural Office. It features group weddings, traditional dances, and a light and sound show about Phuket's history with more than a thousand actors. The event sets out to teach new generations about the heroism of the sisters and all those who once defended this island. Producing a podcast like this takes a lot of time and research. If you like what we do and want to support the next episodes, head on over to our Patreon, give us little as $1 to get a copy of the show notes with all the references, access to the close friends' Instagram stories, and a shout-out at the end of the next episode. And if you can't, just tell your friends about this podcast. That works too. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HerStoryCPod. That's HerStorySEAPod. In the next episode, we'll talk about Aches Kumalahayati, the first female admiral in the world who led the Inong Bale, an all-women army of widows. There are so many more stories to tell, and we're just getting started. This podcast was written, hosted, and edited by Agus Ramirez. Special thanks to Kara and Mando for joining us on Patreon, Janelle Peterson of Synchronicity Events for the ad, Ihimitsu for the opening and closing theme, and our 207 followers on Twitter. See you next time. Madaming salamat.